Hey guys, welcome back to the Telecom Talk Show. Today we have with us Mr. Dhananjay Ganju. Uh, he is the MD for F5 India. So, Dhananjay, first of all, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. How are you feeling today? Hey, thanks very much for inviting me today. I'm, I'm delighted to be on this show, and hopefully, um, I can provide some enriching details to you. Okay, so Dhananjay, like I would like to start off this conversation by you know talking about the next big thing in the technology world. and it is as we both know 5g like uh, 5g launch is not so far away in india and uh, you know a lot of people are excited about the technology but they don't know a lot about it so like in the simplest manner like how do you think 5g will revolutionize india um first of all i'm hoping that 5g will be made a little affordable so that um so if it's affordable then then the subscriber cost will also be lower but um let me take you a you know a generation back or two generations back when we were 3g or 4g and why did we move from 3g to 4g what's the need for 5g so that we can really appreciate why there is 5g and what changes it will bring to a, you know maybe the common man and and, and businesses uh, as well so when we were doing 2g it was good for voice and we felt that it's not good enough for data and then we got 3g it was good enough for data and of course it had enough bandwidth for voice but in data it was maybe good for voice but not for videos and then we thought hey let's wait for the next big thing and the next big thing then became 4g um if you look at it do you get decent data and and do you get decent video and de- decent voice on your phone the answer to that is yes um the current 4g technologies for b2c consumption is enough and more for all sorts of videos that you're watching on the go also also multimedia calls that you're you know doing between your offices that's actually enough that you don't really need um another big speed uh, or another big bandwidth what 5g will enable than on the b2c side so let me expand on that um let's say um you try to do augmented reality or you try to do virtual reality or you do 3d hologram 4g is not meant for that um bandwidth so one of the bigger uh, business boosts uh, that we will receive is augmented reality based uh, you know use cases will come up hologram based use cases closer interaction between a hologram and doctor looking at a patient um you know all that kind of stuff will happen um ro- robotics will get a boost so if you are an enterprise company and and you have robotics in manufacturing um that will get a boost in terms of faster decision making for your robotics processes to happen faster maybe in manufacturing um i feel medicine will benefit immensely um because the doctors will be able to peer into your mouth remotely than what they can do today for example or if you have a very complex large image that the doctors have to see that used to take um you know a long time to transmit will be instantaneous and the experience between remote diagnostics will become that much easier so that's another industry telemedicine will get a massive boost with what 5g can bring to the table um there will be a lot of ai ml based um you know um artificial intelligence and machine language based use cases that we'll start seeing um getting deployed in the country um that will you know again get a massive boost there is 4g can manage m to m as much machine to machine communication but um you know um 
we will move start moving apps and we can you know take this up separately or in this show we will start moving apps from a closed bigger data center and disaggregate the data center into a smaller edges from where applications can be provided so i believe 5g will have more enterprise use cases than than uh, retail use cases okay uh, right ananja i sort of agree with you there like even i believe like uh, 5g will have more b2b use cases than uh, what it is relevant for consumers initially uh, so like you know while we understand that 5g is going to be the better generation technology over 5, 4g uh but uh, what do you think will be the new security challenges that come along with it oh it, the security challenges will become that much more accentuated and and for that you need to understand how the networks are constructed today vis-a-vis how the network will be constructed when we move to 5g um in today's network there are well in in a telecom network there are two um domains at play one domain is a radio domain that takes the signal from a mobile phone towers will backhaul it into a core network the packet core will process that and make sure the the right person is then reached and in between there is a lot of processing that happens um that itself the whole um journey itself is now packetized and needs to be protected so that is and then on the other side is the it network of a telco which has got all its you know 400 applications that are running to make the telco alive keep the telco alive and they need to be protected um, what kind of protections you need um, layer of course you need layer 3 protection for your um, you know firewall inside a day need layer 3 after layer 3 is layer 4 to layer 7 protection which is all web application firewall so your applications need to be protected the thing that we are noticing today is along with application protection which is mostly signature based we need to enhance that because we're seeing a lot of automation attacks come through so hackers don't come in by themselves physically they actually use machines to automate their attacks um sometimes um not just operators but larger enterprise companies don't realize that there is automation happening and they are building bigger and wider networks thinking that their bandwidth requirements are more because there is more traffic coming in sometimes not realizing the traffic is actually spurious and we can drop that traffic so along with layer 4 to layer 7 protection bot protection um with ai based intelligence is extremely necessary of course there is a lot of ddos um protection that you require both on prem and off the cloud if if that is uh, um you know the need for the operator what is happening is with 5g there is from an appliance based proprietary protocols that were used in 4g and i'll rattle off a few um and you know 3gpp mqtt sip diameter these are some of the protocols that are used inside the network side of a telco on the 5g side 5g is a disaggregated piece of application 5g is nothing but a piece of software in in other terms it's just an application so moving from proprietary appliance based proprietary protocols to an application and on what are we basing this network architecture on kubernetes and maybe similar containerized technologies like docker storm or um docker docker swarm or kubernetes um the requirement of that is very different from the requirement of the older generation technology but will the operators switch one and switch off the other it won't happen 
this will be a journey that uh, the operators will be on. There, the 4G network will continue to work. The 5G network will add benefit. But at some point in time, they need to connect the 4G network to the 5G network, which means um, HTTP2, which is typically the protocol on the 5G side, on the Kubernetes side, needs to speak with the protocols that have been used till date, 3GPP, MQTT, SIP, Diameter, um, and a couple of others. Um, F5 provides that translation between the two and keeps the system going. And there is a gradual transformation that we will that we feel will happen over, over a period of 12 to 24 years or 24 months before a larger footprint of FG, 5G takes over. So not only security, there is a lot of protocol translation work that will be required um, to help the operators move from one to the other. There's, there's an interesting quote I received or when we were having a discussion, for the operator, there is no step needs, like a car. The car has to continue moving, and if a tire has to be changed, it has to be changed while the car is still moving. That's the analogy for an operator. Um, nothing can ever go down. Everything continues to work, even during transitions. That makes a lot of sense, Dhananjit. Uh, so thank you for the insightful answer. Uh, well, Dhananjit, what is F5 doing uh, in the security area and how can it help telcos in you know, securing their networks with 5G? Well, there were several things. Um, uh, let's start with DPI, deep packet inspection. When a packet comes into a telco, telco wants to uh, treat that packet with certain policies. We can strip that packet off, decrypt it, um, let the various technologies read that packet, take the right decisions, and then we can route that packet you know, um, to a proper destination. So deep packet inspection, layer to layers, layer four to layer seven, web application firewalls, API protection and API gateways. Um, one of the operators I know uses about uh, two, two trillion API calls in a year. Uh, that's a massive amount of API calls that are happening in an operator, right? So we provide technology um, on the API gateway side, API security side. Um, of course, there is um, carrier grade natting. On one side is IP4, on the side is IP6. Um, and you want to um, you know, connect these two networks together, or you want to protect your domain name servers, DNS and DNS security, we provide that. Um, there is layer three firewall. Um, and uh, there is a lot of bot protection. For, uh, there is all the automation that is coming into the subscribers. There is a lot of uh, automation protection um, that we provide through our shape security product line. So, um, there are solutions that we provide on the network side. That is all the RAN side that comes into the packet code. And there are solutions that we provide to the application side that is running the whole operations together. So these two aspects, and we have uh, these solutions. Um, lately, what we have also done is with the launch of our um, distributed cloud services, we are now able to offer the same solutions of our own cloud um, as a SaaS platform. Um, than discrete products um, that are sitting inside the operator. So we are giving newer consumption models uh, to our set of operators um, globally. Okay. So Dhananjay, like uh, as technology is advancing, uh, networks are getting more and more complex day by day. So how do you think zero trust security model and you know WAAP can, you know, work here to help telco secure or enterprises secure their networks? So um, web app, VAP, 
as it's known as WAAP, which is Web Application and API Protection. So both WAF and API combined. Um, so what we have done, um, Tana, is that we have used the 15 years of experience that we have in Web Application and API Protection. And we have now produced on our SaaS platform a recommended configuration. Earlier, what our customers had to do was um, go through and have you know, highly technically trained people to deploy a web application firewall. And um, it used to take a few days to weeks before the firewall was kept in the learning mode. And then the web application firewall was turned into the blocking mode. The whole intent of the VAP business is to prevent attacks to happen. So the VAP comes in, learns over a couple of uh, days, weeks, and then stops all the attacks that are happening on the application side, not on the network side. That's the business of the VAP. Um, with the launch of the distributed cloud services, you know, it, it, let me digress here. When you deploy any application on your, say, a Windows laptop, right? There, you get an option, recommended, click, 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 and you, in 30 seconds, that application is deployed or you have the choice of doing custom because you deeply understand the technology that you're deploying and then you take custom configuration. The choice is yours. We have done the same. We have removed complexity from all the security parameters that you have on the web application firewall and, and API protection side. We have removed the, the veneer of complexity completely. Now, when you onboard an application so that we can protect it, you have a recommended conf, um, uh, choice, which actually has about 400 policies that we have seen commonly deployed over the last you know, one and a half decades that we have been in the WAF business. Either you choose that and go in the learning mode quickly, and we can onboard in less than five minutes what used to take weeks, um, and, uh, or you actually know what you want out of the, out of the custom-based configuration, and you take that. I've, I've had... Um, scenarios where you know I have been challenged by the customer because they've never seen something like this before where we have taken up the challenge and said, we'll onboard your application instantaneously. I haven't seen anybody um, do that in the industry today. So whether that is a telco on whose applications that we have to onboard or whether that is any large enterprise in any vertical in India, um, this service is now available. So uh, Dhananjay, how are edge deployments, you know, really helping gamers and streamers uh, get things quicker and better for their experience? Well, that that I hope uh, 5G with disaggregated core will enhance that experience even better for uh, the gamers. Um, a lot of, let's say, operators um, or um, uh, either by themselves or third-party game uh, gaming companies using the um, network infrastructure and reach of the operators are providing gaming experience to the uh, people, the end, end consumer who are consuming the games. However, there are two ways to look at this problem to make the experience better. One is I replicate that content in certain areas of the country, and I am limited to the replication to only those areas where I can put my media servers in. I can, I have built, suppose, you know, I'm a provider, I have built 10, um, you know, areas in which I, I, have, I have the capability of onboarding the media servers so that the gamers can, I'm going closer to the gamers, right? On the other hand, what if I'm a big telco and I have 
thousands of points of presence, can I take my application closest to the end user? So not just the media, which is static, but when you have media, which is constantly changing in the case of a gamer, you want to take the application itself closest to the end user. So with distributed cloud services and the customer edge technology that we have built, which is nothing but infrastructure as a code, right? We can now um, utilize the pops or points of presence of um, large telcos, and they have built not just you know tens, hundreds, they've built thousands of those across the country. They require very small footprint. Infrastructure as a code is, as I said, a code. It is not a massive appliance. So I can put that code closest to the end user where uh, the gamer may be, and then put the application on top of that, enabling the application to come closer to the end user rather than only the media and the application keeps on lying, the logic of the application. So the whole edge 2.0, as we call it, the game plan is changing from the application concentrated on the core and receiving all requests to the application itself getting multiplied in thousands of locations to bring better gaming experience to the end, uh, to the gamers. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Dhananda. That will be all from my side. Is there anything else you want to add? No, I mean, if, if your listeners are very interested, I, I can give a couple of very interesting use cases that we don't really think about, but at the end of the day are actually complex to you know execute. I can give you simple examples like what happens when you make a phone call on the mobile and you receive a you know callback tone. Okay. That is a fairly complex path if you want mm -hmm. me to I can do that. Yeah, yeah, please, please, or, please. Yeah, please, please let us yeah, know. About so, that. Yeah. Um, the, and there is another use case. All the SMSs okay. that we receive, we think it's a simple, straightforward technology. But right. on the back end, the telcos are really putting high-end stuff to make that simple technology you know, available to you. Let me start with um, callback uh, you know, tunes or tones. So when you, when you call within, suppose you call within an operator's network. In that network, the operator has made sure that the codec they have used for that media to play back is the same codec. Could be narrowband, wideband, G729. These are the codecs that are typically used for you know, callback, either a tone, ringtone, or a, or, a, or a song. So the songs are lying in a media server. Um, the network picks up the song and plays it. Um, within the same network of the operator, it doesn't require massive protocol translation. But suppose network A calls into network B, and network B uses a different codec. This translation is fairly complex because um, narrowband on one side and G729 on the other side need to listen to each other and be trans transmitted. While apparently it's instantaneous and you don't realize it, but there is a lot of technology happening at the back end to do this translation between the codecs. That's one use case. Second and even more interesting use case is, you know, we have this character limitation of 160 when you receive an SMS. But these days you're seeing SMSs are long and lengthy and you're not, you don't stop after 160. You keep on typing when you type an SMS. Telemarketers send you SMSs which are really long and, and now have pictures embedded in them, right? How is that possible? Because the SMS length has not changed with an operator. It's still 160. So what the operators have done is they've put multiple servers and F5 technology kind of load balances those servers. and the other important part is provides it the right sequencing. So you don't, you, you don't receive an SMS which is garbled. You receive an SMS which is sequence A, sequence B, sequence C, and then hence 
So um, while it is 160 characters, the servers do sequencing properly and you receive a full, um, you know, 160 times more characters on your phone. But the technology behind is fairly complex. And then the telemarketers have to go back to their customers to prove that this SMS was actually delivered. And then hence the responsibility on the telco to provide an acknowledgement received to the telemarketers so they can take and bill uh, in a bank for whom they may be doing telemarketing. So this technology, while it's fairly straightforward, you're receiving an SMS, at the back end, there is complex multiple servers. Imagine the rate of SMSs going up. Can the telcos continue to deploy server after server after server? That business model is not viable. So you have to use technology that picks up a server that is free at that moment in time and provides that server for SMS to be sent or received and then sequences the other bits of the SMS so that it reaches the right destination in the right sequence. Fairly complex, but looks very simple. I thought I'll just leave your listeners with these two very interesting use cases that we yeah. use every day, but there yeah. is a lot of complexity behind the scenes. That was really interesting to learn, Dhananjay. Even I did not know about that. So thank you. Uh, and thank you for your overall time, Dhananjay. I hope that all of us uh, who are listening to this podcast or this or watching this video on YouTube will get a lot to learn. Okay, I'll, I'll fairly go back and listen to this conversation again because there's a lot of insightful information here, you know, which I couldn't get it uh, right away. So thank you for that and uh, hope to, uh, you know, do more such conversations in the future. Absolutely. Look forward to that, Tane. Thank you very much for having me on your show. Okay, then. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.